Hey guys, it's Michelle Collins. Welcome to the Michelle Collins Show. It's my show and I'm thrilled you're here. We're going to be bringing you episodes every single week with different co-hosts, the same usual nonsense, off-the-cuff humor, news, advice, pop culture. I know it's a novel concept for a podcast, but what can I say? I'm an innovator. That's what I do. You'll be getting episodes every week, but if you want to hear daily episodes, you can head over to my Patreon. That's www.patreon.com slash Mishkal, M-I-C-H-C-O-L-L. I have co-hosts every single day. It's funny. It's loose. It's authentic. I do weekly episodes with my mother. If you're curious as to how someone is made this way, I highly recommend tuning into those and some video content as well, which is exciting. I'm off to contour, but I want you to enjoy this episode. It's fabulous. We adore you and we look forward to seeing you over on the Patreon. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Michelle Collins, welcome to Midnight Snack. I uh, I feel good. I'm a hair dirty. I'm wearing red. Mm. I'm just I'm feeling like a mm, little like tussle, a little like right out of bed. Like good morning, <laughs> even though it's nighttime. I'm here with Dan Acton. Hi, Dan. Hi. You look great. I realized that um, there's a mirror next to the seat that I do my show from, and as I was sitting before, I looked over to see like I'm doing it now, like to see what sticking out of the back of my jeans and I have that thing where my like back fat into the back of the jeans makes it look like I have one big ass like going up to the middle of my back you know people who have that <laughs> it's not bad it actually doesn't look terrible bad. if I'm gonna be honest with you it's just I have that thing where it's like the crack you can't see the crack but it's like the back is the crack you know what I mean <laughs> Crack is whack. All right. This is this is where I'm at this yeah. week. I am having a very scattered week. I don't even know where to begin. I just feel happy to be here. I'm thrilled. Dan, you look great. Thanks. Yesterday, you and I were going to record at our normal time, and then something I was working on ran long, so we had to reschedule. Yeah. As you know, I'm in Amsterdam, 
at the light. It was 11.45 p.m. last night, and I texted you. It was bright out still. Not bright, but the sun was still showing light. Yeah. Which is actually what I'm realizing. It actually makes me feel psycho. Like, right. I need <laughs> darkness. I just do. I don't get to bed till, like, 2.30 in the morning because then my body is like, well, it's still daytime, you know. Uh-huh. I had, like, two drinks last night. No big deal. Dan was like, oh, let's do the recording when you come home. I said, great. And so we did record a quote-unquote intro for this episode with the great John Lithgow. But I felt so flat. Like, afterwards, I was like, Dan, I was so tired. I was, like, drooling. I said, Dan, we got to re-record something. So I'm going to leave it up to our producers and editors, the poor people that have to listen to the bullshit that we send them. I I think about them every day. I pour a little out of my seltzer every day for those two who have to go through our nonsense and, like, try to somehow piece together an episode that makes sense. I think we had some funny stuff, but you will notice, yeah. unbelievably notice the difference in energy between Dan and I now, which is like normal time, and then actual midnight time, which is when we did this like second half, let's call it. I think they can speed up the uh, speed to make it sound. Oh, that's smart. A little more lively. That's a good idea. By the way, I have to ask Amelia, I have to ask Amelia a question. I'm going to make Amelia come on the pod for a minute. Amelia, I saw Amelia's our producer, the great Amelia from Australia. You sent a tweet out that I read that said that somebody complained to you that one of your hosts sounded like a man. Is it me? No, I think it was me. And then it said, and you had to tell them you're listening to it at half speed. (laughs) So who was it? Was it me? Yes, that was in regards to you. I actually am going to pass out. (laughs) But there's a lot of people who like complain about podcast episodes, not just this one, but it's like podcast, like complain about it. It's always the tech or it's the user themselves. And so in that regard, they had it at 0.5 speed. Is it possible in the actual (laughs) release that we put out like right now, can you put the next like minute of this recording at half speed so that the listeners will now know what I sounded like to that person? The comparison, do you think? So we can do this next bit at 0.5? I guess we could try. (laughs) But also I've heard myself at 0.5 and I sound like Michael Clark Duncan's ghost. Like I sound so (laughs) mannish that it doesn't shock me that somebody would reach out. I say we do this next minute at half speed and see how it sounds. Amelia, I thank you. Give it up for Amelia, by the way. She's the cheeriest. I think we should start the half speed right now. Ready? (laughs) Amelia is by far the cheeriest person I've ever met in my life. Dan... Absolutely curious. Dan's afraid to talk. I know. I I can tell. (laughs) Dan's afraid. That's gonna sound like Jabba the Hutt when I just laugh. I have to tell you, I had a huge sushi burrito for lunch. I ate it in about six to seven bites. I hope this is still slowed down. I ate it in about seven big meaty bites. It was delicious. And I think that that was the energy boost I needed to give this podcast 
the attention it deserves Danier or Nay on the sushi burrito. Absolutely. <laughs> Wait, did you see that thing where uh, sushi was supposed to be the, the best food for bottoms? Do you remember that, that Instagram <laughs> real that? Wait, I think we should stop the slowdown. <laughs> I think we should stop the slowdown. I just, because otherwise the podcast is going to be like seven hours long. And P.S., I hope our guest John Lithgow never hears this opening part. If he does do a listen back, I hope he starts at like a half an hour in because I would have to die if he heard the job of voice between me and you. Um, okay, now repeat your question. What was that? Okay, do you remember the um, Postmates uh, like Instagram reel that I sent you for Pride Month? They, because it's food delivery. Yes. It was eat with pride and the best thing for bottoms to eat. And the best thing for bottoms to eat was sushi. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When they went all the way through it, it was like kind of embarrassing and hilarious <laughs> but they're like what can like tops can eat whatever they want for pride but uh what are bottoms eating like ice chips really yeah it was disgusting i mean that's terrible <laughs> i have a better one for you you know what you just reminded me of yeah i uh tweeted about the new beyonce single this week oh, yeah. i actually took video of this and i said something you know like okay because obviously uh beyonce's life need i tell you i I'm not even saying it to be part of the group. Like, you know, sometimes people say it like, oh, I, I love her. But then they don't really give a shit about her. I fucking love her. Um, and I sent a, a tweet out. I responded to myself and I wrote between this. I forget what it was about, but I wrote between this and uh, Beyonce's new single, 621 is already the best day of the year. I forget what it was about. I could go back and see. But I wrote some tweet about something good happening, except I responded to that to a promoted uber eats tweet like somehow <laughs> like somehow my fingy slipped on the app so instead of writing back to my own thing like well between this and beyonce like best day of the year i responded to a tweet from uber that says when life gets messy we got you order cleaning supplies everyday essentials <laughs> <laughs> and more <laughs> delivered with Uber Eats. <laughs> and I replied, Between this and Beyonce, <laughs> best day ever. But wait, the worst part is I found out about it six hours later <laughs> when clearly the social media people there were like, what do we do? How do we handle this? And they waited six hours to write, we know, right? With a Beyonce <laughs> gift. <laughs> was dying i thought wait a minute i am responding to a promoted tweet from uber motherfucking eats about windex and they waited six hours to reply to me like that hurt more than fucking it up how many i was really upset how many meetings did they have to go through to like like how do we what do we do yeah they're like what well, you want to send out uh they just i don't even know what i'm saying <laughs> which Beyonce gift to pick it really that fucking cracked me up and I do use Uber Eats and yet they did not send me a single promo code um anyway uh that really made me laugh okay so you sent me something on Twitter yeah Dan always finds the best shit and by the way this was also tweeted on 621 also known as between this and Beyonce and Uber Eats cleaning supplies best day ever <laughs> All right, so so Dan sent me this tweet by Paris Martineau, and it's about um, 
like one of these meal kit companies. Should we come up with a fake name for one? Uh, how about um, Grain Man? Grain Man. That's bad. Grain Man? Mm. Wait, is that a play on like Grain Man, the Netflix? It's a play on Rain Man, obviously. Oh. I mean, Dan. Okay. <laughs> no, what's a better one? What's a better one? Like, um, um, like uh, the Hardy Girth. Better plate than never. That's good, actually. God, you're good. God, you're good. It's <laughs> really this good. This makes big bucks. Better plate than never. George Carlin had a joke. The empty plate. The lonely chef. A restaurant for um, anorexics. Okay. I Don't cancel me for that. It wasn't even my joke, so everyone can chill. So All right. So it says here, my, my wife went to the hospital for two days with liver damage. Why am I laughing? Because of better plate than never. Says hi everyone. I am beyond livid. Now, Dan, you know what I like to say. I'm livid, Tyler. When I'm that angry, I'm beyond livid. I'm livid, Tyler. The fact that you're not laughing, you're dead to me. Okay, my wife ordered the better plate than never lentil crumbles. Stop right there. On May 11th, and ate them during the week of the 16th. Okay, so that's a week later. Mm-hmm. Just pointing that out. I didn't have any since uh, it was her health thing. Ironically. On Saturday, a month ago, she developed symptoms consistent with severe liver problems, extreme Oof. fatigue, dark, nothing worse than that dark urine. Whoo, that gravy urine starts coming. You better be lying to the ER. That, Dan, have you ever had dark urine? <laughs> Infrequently. <laughs> Infrequently, same. But when it happens, the shit is scary. Though. <laughs> when it does when come out, that like bad, Jurassic Park. Even, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> When it's a Jurassic Park amber color, you know you got to drink some water. (laughs) Low-grade fever and whole body itching, ooh, with no rash. Coincidentally, uh, she had her annual check of the day before. Then there's another one. This was a day after that one. My mother got food poisoning from the lentil crumbles. By the way, you know what's so funny? I fucking hate lentils. And I always talk about my hatred of lentils. They are, to me, it's like eating dirty little pellets. I hate the taste. I like lentils, but they're already crumbles. So I don't know what they're already crumbly. That's crum- what I'm saying. Crumbly. Yeah. So. What are you mashing up the lentils? Or was it for uh, lentils for ants? To quote Zoolander, it's so stupid. <laughs> so yeah, meal plan's not for me. We can all agree on that. <laughs> Got him good. My friend works for another uh, meal company. And I'm like, oh, yeah. we should pitch like a meal for to build up your liver and like liver healing meal or something people would go for. Yeah. Liver healing. Yeah. That's a great idea. Uh, I recently discovered <laughs> what if Dan and I got into a huge fight because of this? What if you're like, you know, you really didn't like my crumbles. liver content. Yeah. The lentil crumbles. I recently discovered I'm gluten intolerant. Did we talk about that last night? I feel like we did. Yeah, we did. We can talk. We'll, you'll hear that on the sleepy part of the episode. Um, there's not a whole lot left, I have to say. I really, <laughs> the only other thing I did, I'll say this, the only other thing I did today, which is a trap that I fall into, it's really funny, and then we can like go to the tie. We did this once before where we did a high energy opening, then a tired opening, and then we got to our guest. And mm. I think sometimes the listeners like to compare, you know, when we're at half speed, especially, where the comedy really shines but uh you know that every year i try to be a cool girl and buy birkenstocks like literally every single year yeah and then in my in my size they are literal domino's pizza boxes they're so fucking (laughs) ugly they're huge and they also just always fuck my feet up like they just my feet are not meant to be in a burk 
but there's a place here in Amsterdam that sells them for 40 euros, like all oh, wow. these funky, awesome styles. It's for nothing. So I went today and I did, I, I fell for it. I fall for it every time. It's like um, how my grandmother used to like send money to the publisher's clearinghouse people to win millions. <laughs> <laughs> right. Maybe this time it'll work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe this time, like, I think this is the time that they're actually going to fit my feet. Now, the twist is I went up a size. So they actually could possibly be better for my feet. I went a size bigger, oh, okay. thinking that maybe I was cutting it a little too small before. I like them. Um, I, what I don't like is like once you wear them for a little bit, like your own like Bigfoot footprint, yes. like with each toe the print. is like in it. Yes. It's, like... it's like it's like a big pussy print. Actually, when I was <laughs> <Yeah>. in the... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> when I was in, when I went to the Amsterdam outlets, actually, they had a Burke outlet there that sucks. It's like twice the price of this place. Yeah. And I almost bought a pair that had a white leather footbed. They were very, they were mm. expensive and like quite chic. And then it hit me. I'm going to be wearing them for two days and remove my feet from them. Yeah. And it's going to be like a dead person's. Yeah. It's toe the, stamp, like toe tag. It's going to be the shroud. The of, Burke. The shroud of turn. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Because <laughs> okay. unlike that dark urine, which is the shroud of urine, I don't want to be funny anymore on this. Podcast. Don't cut one second. <laughs> My comedy career dies today with the shroud of urine. I think it's funny, and you know what? No, I want it in it. I don't want it edited out. for once. Don't edit it out. I beg. Um, so I'm wearing them now. I think they're pretty cute. I uh, I sent a picture to a friend. Basically, lately, all I do is take pictures of my feet and send them to people for free. And I'm like, I could That's be making tens thousands, of thousands yeah, of dollars. Absolutely. I have beautiful big feet, high, high arches. <laughs> I really have a nice foot. You know, some people have some hideous ass feet. Do we want Post pedicure. Yeah. Go on. Do we want a high arch or a... Is that like the most desirable is to have a high arch or you want a medium arch? Like from what I've heard okay. from the foot fetish community yeah. of which I've never been involved, but um, in my in my uh, knowing some people who maybe are into it, uh -huh. the high arch is the way to go. Oh, OK. High arch is is king. I think it makes the foot like I am not just saying this. I have the most beautiful footprint. When I get out of the shower, I think... You know, like how there was only one set of footprint in the sand. I hope it's mine. I hope I'm carrying Jesus. I should be carrying Jesus because my feet prints are so pretty. Like they're just nice. The arch. <laughs> if we ever go on vacation to the beach, we have to do that. <laughs> I'll fly back for that. I will fly back to carry you down the sands. No, really. It's just a nice print. I don't know what else you want me to say. I'll put every other part of my body down. But when you see something nice about yourself, yeah. I think you should say something. And I'm saying it. So I don't think my I actually think my feet are too pretty for Birkenstocks. I think the problem is yeah. they're made for people with ugly feet and my feet are just too perfect for them. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> Well, all right. Yeah. Well, listen, we got out shroud of your in. I don't know what else you people want from me. You don't pay for this <laughs> podcast. So uh, I think I'm good to go. I feel like we should cut. To, we already did slow-mo. We made a few puns. Excuse me. Better plate than never. Come on. I think we should beeline into our sad section where I'm tired. It's not sad. I'm just it's not sad. It's not sad at all. We have some funny moments, but um, you'll hear it. It's. 
<laughs> Maybe we should slow that version down. Judging like just them. to entertain yeah. people. <laughs> yeah. And then, but wait, you really have to keep listening because listen, John Lithgow's on the show and he is my everything. I really hope he's in defeat because if this man is in defeat, I'm not just saying this. I can see, I see a future between us. I know he's happily married. He's a happily married man. I'm just saying, if he likes feetsies, he's going to want to meetsies, my little piggies, because they're just perfect. I am so tired. Can I get a break? My brain is completely broken. Dan, are you okay? Yeah. All right. Oh, well, this has been great. All right. I love you guys. I don't know why. Maybe because it's almost midnight here in Amsterdam. And it really, this is right. Actually, Dan, this might be the first episode we've done at midnight oh, that's great. for Midnight Snack. Do you have a snack? I do. I, I have Haribo frogs oh. called <laughs> Keekin <laughs> that I got in the lobby. This hotel I'm staying at. Hi, it's Michelle Collins. It's Midnight Snack. It's Dan Acton. The, by the way, the light sun still kind of up. If I took a photo of the sky, it is like white nights levels of mania in this fucking town. I'm in Amsterdam. It never gets dark. Can I send you a picture of the sky right now? Yeah, please. Forget the stamps of foundation on the glass and just look at the sun. Um, no, it. Uh, look how bright it is, though. It's maddening. You think it would be fun? Oh, wow. It's yeah. it's bright. This is like ten to twelve right now. I say it's John maddening. I say you think that it would be nice, like oh, it being bright all the time, because you know when it gets dark in winter. Is there anything we love more than bitching about how fucking dark it gets in winter? That's like. That's my favorite thing to do in the winter solstice, <laughs> talk about the sun. And now I'm like, this is actually another version of hell. Like, you can't be cute. There's no mystery. You can't leave. You know, you go on a date with someone. Well, good luck. You better be at your fucking physical top because you, there, the sun is above your head at nine o'clock. Well, that's good news for you because you're at the, your physical top right now, baby. Oh, my God. That's why I keep you around. You I love good. you so much. Yeah. Dan Acton is, first of all, he's getting... <laughs> If you saw the angle, he's getting full leopard sweaty bitty legging. I'm leaning against a wall. That's so nice. Dan Acton, first of all, nice to see you. Um, what is new in your life? You, by the way, you yeah. were in Toronto this weekend. Yeah. I'm going to say something. Okay. I know we, and I'm not just like saying this because you said something nice to me. You looked so good. You looked 30 years old. I was oh, like, thanks. this is a newborn child. <laughs> yes. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, like I had a great time. Uh, I went to visit my friend for the uh, long weekend, and, nice. and it was cool. We went, got some sun. We went to the beach. Oh, actually, the we beach went, in yeah, Toronto. There's, yeah, there's a Toronto Island beach, and actually, it's clothing optional. Um, you say that like, and by the way, like, is it something I do? Yeah. Hey, by the way, clothing <laughs> optional, Mish. So, did you go naked? Um, no, not totally. But I wore like a smaller bathing suit than I usually like. I usually wear shorts or whatever this, yeah this, yeah this was so i don't know where it came from i don't remember buying it but i found this like you don't know where it came from that's yeah. probably one of the most disturbing things you've ever said <laughs> do you have a speedo somehow in your possession you have no idea where it's from uh-huh that's true <laughs> i also like sunburnt my lips like <laughs> don't ask which ones <laughs> so, um <laughs> that's so cute. Like that's what happened to me when I got laser hair removal. They oh, also really? sunburned my lips. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> you sunburned your poor little lips? I didn't yeah. know that could happen. What know. happened? They got blistery. I didn't either. They just, they just, no, they just like slightly sting. Oh, 
Is that slightly stink? <laughs> oh, boy. I got to go. I, I just can't do it anymore. Listen, it's really late. I had such a fucking long day today. Yeah. I went away this weekend twice, but both day trips. Um, I did something controversial, which is that I went, uh, a listener actually recommended very kindly. And someone who, might I add, has great taste. It wasn't just a random, okay. no offense. I think all of our listeners do. Yeah. Honestly, everyone I've ever met who listens to me is like, that's a classy person. Like, there's a common theme amongst, and I'm not just saying it because they're listening right now. I really mean it. <laughs> but this guy really is very chic, like very educated. And he said, you have to go to Antwerp, Belgium. Now, I know very little. <laughs> <laughs> He said, oh, you're in Amsterdam. You must go to Antwerp. And Michelle I said, well, I'll Am- be there. <laughs> Michelle goes to Antwerp. It's my PG-13 summer comedy. <laughs> I just didn't know what to expect. And he was like, oh, there's this really cute street. And I said, I love I love cute streets. I'll be there. So Saturday, we had a three-day weekend. So Saturday, I um, it was going to be really hot, too. God, I'm such an idiot. Like, mind you, it was maybe 75 degrees in Amsterdam. It was 91 degrees in Antwerp. It's an hour and a half away. I don't understand oh, how wow. the weather can shift that greatly yeah. in that distance but well over there it's like two degrees difference you're like oh it's fine but it's actually like 30 degrees fahrenheit wait what do you mean because it's like fahrenheit and celsius like I, I oh yeah, know. <laughs> yeah. You're like, oh, it's no problem. i'm like oh i thought it was gonna be 31 it's 33 yeah screaming <laughs> i'm sizzling well i get there and i get off the train the train was a breeze trains here really i must say yeah. ah just it, i literally like have a full body re- like reaction to how timely they are <laughs> Except for Antwerp, which we'll get to. But I got there. If this guy's listening, he's such a sweetheart. I still respect his choices. I, I Personally, I did not connect with Antwerp. A couple things. The Dutch are very friendly overall. I've really, I've almost barely had a bad anything here. And that is for me, like, unheard of. Not right. to have one person be rude or, you know, <laughs> if anything, everyone is so nice. Right. I think it's because they ride bikes everywhere and it's pretty here. And there's not a whole lot to complain about. Like they don't have a lot to be mad about. Yeah. That, that's actually what I got from Canada too. They were, they were trying to yes. compliment me as an American. They're like, no, but it's so exciting. Like our lives are so boring. And they literally brought up like healthcare. They're like, if we just go to the dentist, I was like, all right. Like, no, we have yeah. we have nothing. I I was saying how I was maybe like looking into getting a breast reduction. This is my latest thing because my titties oh. are exploding. I don't know what's going on. Okay, they're. I mean, I, I know that none of our listeners will certainly care about my titties getting big. Like I could not be in a safer space than on this podcast talking about how big my fat titties are. Like truly, people are nauseous. If anything, they're not like remotely turned on. They're like sick, <laughs> sick to their stomachs. So, no, my breasts are getting really big. And I was like, oh, maybe I was like, maybe it's cheaper to get a breast reduction in Europe. Mm. And I looked into um, like first I looked into Amsterdam. And may I just say, if you look at any there's like two plastic surgeons in all of Amsterdam and they have like two stars. Oh, like, oh, that is not great. (laughs) I think because the people here, my theory is the people here are so attractive that like you can't even be a good plastic surgeon because what are you fixing? There's nothing to fix in this town. (laughs) Everyone looks fucking hot. Like they're all skinny. They've ridden their bikes out of the womb through to college to their jobs. Like they don't ever drive. 
they're hot. So the plastic surgeon is probably just like twiddling his thumbs all day. Like, wow, I hope I hope a hideous baby gets born today. Fingers crossed. But I looked and there's one. OK, so the two places where I found that they have good breast reduction, guys. One. And by the way, I haven't called these places. This was like just like a random Google moment. Like, let's see what the doctors are like, you know, was a guy in Hamburg, Germany. And there's one plastic surgeon there. I don't remember his name, but it's like Friedrich Ein Heinlbanger. It's like very German. And he has amazing reviews, but he's all only popping in the implants. He's not taking anything out. He's only putting stuff uh, in. Okay. So that's already like a problem for me. Right, yeah. And then he has a soul patch. His look is very much like, um, <laughs> if you know the actor Robert Carlyle from Trainspotting, he looks uh. like Robert Carlyle from The Full Monty <laughs> with a soul patch. And I'm like, I don't feel comfortable with that man <laughs> even seeing me without a bra on, much less slicing me open and like remolding me you know what I mean so that's not gonna happen <laughs> years ago when I was on the VM um I had a friend of a friend who I did not even know very well it would be funny if she heard this but uh she was living in Germany and you know I'm always looking for like friends in Europe you know I love to travel I, I know someone somewhere I mean I'll get a hotel but I would love to come there because this way you have like an inn right. to the town and she kept saying come to Hamburg come to Hamburg and I said you know what I'm gonna do it so I booked a flight to Hamburg, Germany. I knew nothing about the town at all. And uh, about four or five days, maybe before I'm leaving, she calls me up and she goes, hey, hi. I said, hi. She goes, listen, uh, my boyfriend um, is a uh, German gynecologist. <laughs> I, I went, congrats. That's great. Um, good for you. And she went, there is a gynecology conference in Dusseldorf while you're here. And he has asked me to accompany him to this gynecology conference in Dusseldorf, of course. Hi, yeah. Would it be okay if I go with him? And I said, well, listen, I'm not going to tell you not to go with your boyfriend to a gynecology conference. Like, have your fun. But just know, like, I literally am coming there because he said to fun. visit you. Yeah. <laughs> no, like, what a bitch, though, actually. Oh, and I right, hope she hears right. this. I'm flying halfway across the fucking world. Like, yeah. I know that's a big deal, but maybe go for a day. By the way, Dusseldorf is not that far of a train, even if it is. Go right. for a day, go for one night, then come back. Or invite you. Like, she Can you even like, imagine? Like three people, yeah. Me at the gynecology conference, just being gyneco like... Gynecology conference. Uh, yeah. By the way, I would have been... They would have thrown me on their shoulders <laughs> and hoisted me out of the room like Rudy. Are you kidding me? I don't even know why, but just... I got a strong pipe down there. I just feel like the Germans would respect my equipment. I'm just saying. <laughs> they would really be like, that's really nice. <laughs> we have found anyway. perfect... Yeah. <laughs> yes, but only in Germany. Only yeah, in Germany. Yeah. Um, so... <laughs> Anyway, so so she wasn't there. And I was like really pissed. And I convinced a girl that I worked with who was so sweet to come. Like she was like, sure, I love to travel. And she got a ticket to fucking Hamburg. We get there. And actually this girl's sister, like I think out of guilt, picked us up at the airport because probably they were like, well, we fucked up. Like, go get her. And her and her husband were like, whatever you do. I don't know. If, I hope I've never told the story here. They were like, whatever you do, do not go to the miniature museum. Have we talked about this with the miniature museum here? I think so. They were like, whatever you do, do it is so touristy. Do not even set so much as a foot wow. in the miniature museum. And I said, well, now I got it. What? 
No, the opposite. I went, wow, what a wonderful inside tip that I'm not going to now waste my time at the miniature museum in Hamburg, Germany. Like, well, well, we're definitely not going. Like, we didn't want to feel a fool to go and buy tickets and then see all these little things. They're not even that little. (laughs) No, no, it's little. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Like, that's that's five inches. That girl is five inches. That's big. So stupid. I'm so tired. Anyway, so we didn't go. And then we had like, I mean, it was a fine time. It was okay. But there is literal nothing to do in fucking Hamburg. Now I know to get my breasts reduced. Uh, I wish I knew then. But there's nothing else to do. And then I got back to the States and people were like, oh, what'd you do for Thanksgiving? I went, oh, I went to Hamburg, Germany. <gasps> Did you go to the miniature museum? No, I didn't. And people were like, you fool. It's the most famous miniature museum in the world. Everybody goes. It's supposedly now I'm like, you dumb fuck idiot her and her family fucked me twice now with this anyway so that was my story about hamburg maybe i'll get my titties taken in there i don't know we'll see what well i know that uh since you're in amsterdam i know you don't want to do this but you have to get somebody to take you to the uh sex museum in amsterdam i know it sounds stupid it's so funny it's i could not go by myself like there's one thing it's so good it is it good i wish you would come here while i'm here oh my god it was built in the early 80s and they have like full dioramas of like Marilyn Monroe being like photographed nude and you hit the button and the fan blows her skirt up and stuff. It's really, really funny. There's one where there's a, there's a, there's a water sports exhibit where you hit the button and this, this model of like a sailor comes out and squirts you like there's plastic over it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It comes out and like pees on you. There's a um, flasher exhibit where, like, somebody, it looks like Bob Hoskins. Like, when you hit the button, he comes oh, out and flashes I like that. you. Yeah. It's actually hilarious and great. And well, it's funny because everything you're saying, I hate. <laughs> but every, including, like, the water sports thing. But well, yeah. you have to go in the right headspace. Like, I definitely would have to go with a friend who's, like, dumb and fun. Highlight of it's the best wow yes <laughs> oh my god after i missed the miniature museum well now i can't miss it i gotta go i can't i will not be made a fool of twice that's a fact sometimes the punchy tire shows are the most fun and then sometimes they're like right now where i'm just like i don't even know what fucking day it is like i'm just like all right let's get to it let's do it i went to utrecht on monday that was the other place oh, so antwerp by the way was yeah. um Yes, I did have a U- Utrecht you, you infection. Check. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I knew you were thinking it. Dan's eyes closed. I said Utrecht. And his whole face, every hole in his face shut. His nostrils closed, his mouth. So no, Antwerp, uh, it just sucked. Like straight up. Sorry to the guy who told me to go there. He's so nice. I just, it sucked. Like yeah. there was nothing, nothing even fun happened. I went. Oh, I went to a very beautiful church that has a famous Rubens painting. And then the second I walked in, there was a baby. He was very cute, but he was like, first he was sitting on the ground and he started wailing, but like visceral screaming you feel in your bones and then the mother it was very hot out to be fair but instead of like i don't know what really they could have done with him because maybe he was like tired from the heat like you know i don't know and it's a church which obviously like maybe that's exactly where they should have taken him you know but i will just say like i went in hoping to like (laughs) unwind a little bit and then this baby wouldn't stop screaming as i'm like i mean wait everybody was looking it wasn't just me it was like everybody was like is that kid Okay, like something is going on there. That's a great story. Glad I got that one out. Now I was on a museum kick. So I went to this like printing press museum. I saw the world's first printing press. Oh. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I was dying. I was so bored. I was like, oh no. And actually, can I tell you something? This is, this is funny. I literally walked in not knowing. I just knew it was a museum. I didn't know for what. Yeah. And they were like, they were like, oh, 12 euros. I said, no problem. And they gave him 12 euros. And then they went, you have to give us your bag, which I was pissed because I had my passport on me, all this stuff. Right. So I was like, all right. So you've, and then I was like, um, but I was kind of annoyed by that. And I figured out what the museum was like by the fourth room. I was like, oh, it's a printing museum. I had no idea. The guy was like, do you want an audio guide? I hate audio guides. I don't want to learn. I just don't those. care. Yeah. Oh, it's hell. No offense. I guess people like to learn. I watching. There's no worse look to me than being a person in a museum with that little ear thing on. And then like looking and really listening. I'm like, get out of here with that. I'm sorry. No. Well, you know what? And at the Louvre, I saw these people walking around with like Game Boys. And I was like, that's weird. But they, I think they rent out Game Boys that have like, so you can look at like a Game Boy version of the painting. Wow, and, and then zoom listen in. to well, that's it. Great. Yeah, yeah. Right. Why don't you just sit at home on your fucking phone? I mean, my God, it's like that's where that actually upsets me uh, as an art lover that they would give people screens of the paintings. You're there. I have rules uh, when traveling for for museum. This is what I do, and this is my life has improved. Well, traveling life. Okay. Uh, you go and you buy the ticket, and you say this is good for a half hour. At a half hour, I'm going to check in with myself and see if I still enjoy being here. And every half hour. You just check and make sure you want to be there. Because otherwise you'll waste your whole time there. Now, I have a question. Yeah. I have a few. I do that, but I don't have like a, it's not like a rule. I just, when I get annoyed at a place, I just go. I don't have to like set a timer of every 30 minutes to be like, you know, I do hate it here, actually. Let's get out of here. Like, well, the second I'm not having fun, I'm like, let's get out. I'm not that. Uh, just saying. Yeah next time right. yeah there was a guy though they had these elderly people who clearly were like retirees who were vol i'm assuming volunteers at the um printing museum mm -hmm. and it was in a very beautiful house but one guy and there was by the way shockingly almost nobody there <laughs> i'm dying so i walked into this room and there's this like very nice old guy kind of heavy he was really cute yeah. hit an apron on and he was in front of the printing press and he was like i don't even know by the way i really hate i really hate how belgians sound it's like not my language okay. it's just not my not for me but he was like um okay so yeah and we're going to and he like smeared the ink and did it and then he goes in the olden days i have to do german because i don't even know what they sound like in the olden days um they used to use these pads and he pulls up these two they look like bongo drums with like leather stretched over them and they yeah. were kind of they actually looked like when they take my breast tissue out it's basically what it's going to look like <laughs> huge morongas like big bazoombas right i've never said those words in my life i'm so tired guys it's 12 15 a.m i mean but we're making it work so he said to me you know um when they used to take you're this is a good fact he goes when they used to um schmear the uh he did not say schmear but the letters with the ink yeah. they would use these things but um leather was too porous because you know cows sweat and they have pores so they had to have an animal that has no pores in it do you know what that animal is um it's a good trivia it, question yeah, what did they make condoms out of um <sighs> it's not that ah. it's not that wait sheepskin is porous great condoms yes. <laughs> <laughs> well maybe you'll want to try one out of are you ready what? You ready? Dog. <laughs> it was made of dog. 
I was like, what? I said, what kind of dog is the little chihuahuas? She laughed. He did laugh. I was like, all right, he's got a sense of humor. Then, so we had a little laugh. He was very sweet. Then I went into another room and there was this like Trunchbull-esque woman. Yes. (laughs) Why is this? Emma. Stitch. Yeah. Emma was there and she was like stitching. She was bookbinding. Now, as the other guy was like really excited about like, <laughs> this is the highlight of Antwerp for me. Whereas the other guy was like really excited about showing me his thing. This woman, I was the only other person in the room. And I, it was like, I literally was like disturbing her work. I was like, oh, that's nice. Like, mm, I, I, what do you have to? <laughs> what are you binding? <laughs> yeah. She was like, um, well, this is a test book. She was like, this isn't a real book, but this is what I do to like. And she literally what? goes, this is what I do to shut out the world. I was like, like, hint taken, miss. Have a wonderful day. And I left. Um, So that was that. And then I I literally did nothing. I mean, I was was putting around. Then I slept in the heat. I mean, Dan, it was literally like Miami hot. I slept back to the train station. I I changed my ticket to leave earlier. Could not wait to get out. Go to the train station. The train was supposed to leave at 4.30. I get there at like 4. Delayed two hours. Oh, no, really? Wow. Yes. There was something going on. So I was babbling. I was like, I had to go to H&M. I was just like staring at shit at H&M. I was so bored. And that was my Saturday. Utrecht was nice, though. Utrecht was cute. Hmm. I I, uh, got a a travel tip from somebody on Instagram when I went to Toronto. He's like, oh, go to. Well, actually, it was an anti-tip. He was like, go to the distillery district. It's supposed to be really beautiful, but there's not much to do. And so I looked it up and it was like all these nice restaurants. So we needed to go to dinner. And we're like, let's get a cab, go all the way down. And it's basically like Meatpacking Pet District or Dumbo, like it's cobblestone. Yeah, that's cute. And so we finally find the, the restaurant that we, you know, wanted to go to. And the, there's three uh, women at the at the front desk. And they're like, hey. And, and we're like, hey, we, we want to eat. And uh, they were like, do you have a reservation? No. It's like, oh, um, we don't have any staff. We don't have enough staff in the <gasps> kitchen. Oh, no. So we're not feeding anybody. And we're like, could we go what? to, yeah, could we go to the, the bar and sit there? And then she kind of mimed, like, do you want to eat at the bar? And like, did like a fork motion. <laughs> we're like, yeah. It's like, oh, no, you can't. It's <laughs> like, wait, but were there people eating there or they just couldn't feed anyone new? There were, it was 10% full. Wow, that's it was a that's huge sad. restaurant. Yeah, and then we went to another restaurant. We were like, oh, there's this other restaurant, the same thing. We had to just like leave and go back. Wow. It was really weird. I mean, it's that's like happening all over. I feel like we're like entering our like Black Friday era at the moment. Yeah. Cause it really feels bad. Like, um it's funny, I went to a place in uh Antwerp for lunch <laughs> that looks actually quite <laughs> all, ro- all roads lead back. <laughs> that reminds me of Antwerp. Yeah. It calls to mind. I can't even believe I've been there now. I'm like, I've been to Antwerp. What? Anyway, by the way, everyone is always like, go to Bruges, go to Bruges. I'm like, no, I'm going to go to Antwerp. Actually, I'm going to meet you guys at your own game. But wait, so I'm, by the way, if my voice sounds weird, I'm basically laying fully flat. So like, just know that I'm doing the show laying right now. I'm so tired. But um, I go to this place and there were, also, it was like outside, um, tables were, there were like half the amount of people there. And, you know, I'm by myself here yeah. and they were serving food and everything. Right. And I go up 
the guy was very rude. He had a French accent because I think some French people do live there. And he was like, can I help you? And I went, um, hi, yes, just uh, lunch. And he went, uh, many for one? And I went, yes. And he went, and he looked around. He went, hmm. By the way, it was around two o'clock at this point. He goes, hmm. Okay, I have to go see because I think all of these tables are taken. That people are coming for them, and <laughs> like, I'm like, people are coming for these tables at two p.m. Yeah, right. And I literally went, and he walked away. I went, I'll find somewhere else. Like I, I don't fuck around anymore. I'm like, all right, bye. Like, what? What is this? Studio Fifty Four? Like, you're gonna go yeah, then come right. back and be like, okay, they'll take you. No thanks. Right, right, right. And I went to a Greek place, which was delicious. Um, <laughs> we went to brunch at this like completely normal like chain egg restaurant. And they want us to, and you know, again, ten percent full. And they're like, "Oh, here's wow, your, here's your seat." So we walk. They walk me all over to this place, like right by the bathrooms. And we we're like, "Oh, can we sit like over by the window?" She's like, "Well, we're trying to even out the seating in the restaurant." And we're like, "Whoa, what? Whoa, okay, can, I don't want to sit here." <laughs> so, so, so what happened? So finally, she's like, "Well, let me check." She's like, "Oh," and then she acted like it was a big favor. She's like, "For you guys." <laughs> Let me tell you something. That is, I bet you we're going to hear from people who are servers or have worked in wait staff. We're going to be like, yeah, sure. it actually does make a difference. Uh, but you know what? Yeah. When I get that, there are two seats that I will almost not, never stand for. Uh, seats by the bathroom. Right. I, I'm sorry. Maybe on a plane I can deal with it. At a restaurant, if I can see into the bathroom, if I can see a urinal from my right. seat, you better believe I'm asking to move. Yeah, especially oh, as, as, especially if it's like an empty restaurant, and if it's like yes. a, if it's a section situation, like kind of change the sections. Like you got you know like change whatever. the sections. Anyway, then the other thing is though by the um the stations, I can't if there's like actually uh, I kind of like that. You like sitting where they all come there. The, I hate that. That's yeah, not bad. If you're like set apart, then you get to like watch. No, to watch them what grab forks. Oh, I thought you went by the front. No, that I like. Oh, okay. oh, here's something interesting that I've recently discovered. I think I'm officially gluten intolerant. Oh, really? Yes. That's so cool. I figured it out uh, recently, too. I mean, I can still, uh, I'll still eat some, but it, okay, go ahead. Tell, tell me what happened. Wait, tell me what, because, okay. well, I, I started noticing it in Italy, but um, here, like, I was eating so much pasta that, like, literally I would walk out like, yeah. you know, what's the guy from Willy Wonka? Glump? Augustus Gloop basically for the past couple of weeks i've noticed if i have it actually started in miami mm. where i would like have a bagel and then be in horrible pain like a couple Ooh. hours later i mean it was just really bad and i couldn't and i thought could this be it because i was having sort of tummy things in italy and then since coming here like i've really been eating like rice like and i'm trying not to eat as much bread and stuff like that yeah. i'm not necessarily eating healthier it's just different stuff you right, know right. and um and I had yesterday at lunch, I just had a sandwich, like not thinking, so I'll have a sandwich yeah. in Utrecht. And about an hour or two later, I was in, I mean, doubled over in pain. Wow. I had to go sit at this place and get a ginger ale and like a mint tea. I could barely move. And I'm like, okay, I think it's official. Like, I don't Something's think this up. is for me anymore. Yeah. How I, did I, you find out? Well, I started noticing, like, if I went out for uh, beers, like in a beer garden and just like drank a lot of beers. The next morning, I'd be like really creaky and like stumbling around. Like it was really bad when I woke up, and I was like, "Oh, you know what? What, what if I didn't do that?" And now I can. Um, I just don't drink as much like beer, and I don't. And you feel eat. better? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I don't have it anymore, and I have less bread and all that stuff. One other thing, though, is that I spoke about this, and a listener DM'd me to say yeah. that her daughter was diagnosed uh, as with celiac disease. Oh, really? And the doctor said that since COVID started, 
that the numbers have been like going through the roof with people who are being diagnosed with it. So it's an interesting thing because I've had it. I think you've had it. I mean, I, well, I think, I think like through COVID, like it's a lot easier to control your diet. Because you're not like out and about. I'm not at work. I mean, I'm, I'm not a, in the office or whatever where I have limited yeah, options. Maybe. I can just like, you know, do what I want. So like, uh, yeah, you figure it out easier. Well, Dan, as always, this was an absolute pleasure. I have never been more slouched with you. I'm basically like eight chins with a microphone right now. Uh, eight chins in a duffel bag. But Dan Acton, I love you the most. Thank you for always being there for me and just being the sweetest angel baby. <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs> of course. And uh, I'm so excited also about our guest this week who, yeah, I mean, I'm, I definitely, it, I'm hoping that I'm not embarrassing. I feel like throughout the interview, my face was boiling hot because I was so excited, like not in a rage way, like in a, an internal lust, <laughs> half lust, half excitement. I just adore him. John Lithgow. He's wonderful. Let's listen to him now. Michelle, how are you? I'm so good. How are you? Have we ever done this before? We've never had an interview, have we? You know where we have? When you had your Audible series, I interviewed you for Audible um, probably six months ago or a year ago. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. We did a whole long interview, right? Yes. But I have to tell you, I had makeup on then and I felt like because we now we're friends, I have no makeup on for you today. I went pure natural (laughs) (laughs) because we know each other. It's an outrage. I, on the other hand, do have makeup. Do on, you? Because I just—I was just on television. Yes. Oh well, let me say your contour is popping. You've never <laughs> looked better. Wait, what television show were you on? Uh, it was something at ABC. It was a K. I think it was the uh, local, the local New York. You see, I should know. No, you know what? I like that because the bar has been set fairly low. I thought you were going to say like Nightline or something. No, no. You know, Jimmy Kimmel, (laughs) then I'm in trouble. But local ABC, I can compete with. I feel okay with that. You've already outdone them. Listen, he's a professional actor. He's on a new show on FX. It is streaming on Hulu. Uh, I watched some of it and I will say it's very exciting. I love the concept. It's brilliant. It's called The Old Man. Uh, It is premiering on June 16th and... What else is there really to say other than the level of class that you, John Lithgow, bring to everything you touch? Is it too much pressure to always be so classy? I can't even imagine. Oh, my gosh, Michelle. Uh, You know, I'm so glad you've missed about a third of my uh, work over the years. (laughs) I won't even tell you the titles of those uh, movies and TV shows for fear you might watch them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I, I. I mean, I, 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 yes, about half of my life is very classy mm. and we don't talk about the other half. Well, that's what I really would like to dig into uh, today Go right is the dark, the dark side of the great John Lithgow, who you give, you reek with class. I say that in the best way, even just the way you speak. And I know that you had schooling in England, which kind of, I guess, explains part of the energy that you kind of give off, which I would say would be educated, uh, but what is the dark side? What would people be shocked to learn about you? Oh, probably how dull I am. I don't know. I'm pretty hard on myself, but it, it's it's mostly for things like uh, spinelessness and lack of conviction and uh, 
and indecisiveness, you know, all those sort of uh, uh, amorphous uh, failings. Hmm. I don't have an I don't have a true dark side, just a kind of murky side. When you say spinelessness, that's interesting. Like in the business or in just, you know, a Starbucks. Oh, I just uh, sort of pathological avoidance of any kind of conflict. I can't I can't argue with anybody. I just sort of freeze up. Wow. Um, I, in in my nightmares, I have to appear on Bill Maher and talk politics, <laughs> things, things, things like that. Oh, my. He would I, I would hate to see you on Bill Maher. Let me just say as a fan of yours, it would maybe kind of kill me a little bit. But yet, weirdly, I can't imagine anyone stepping up to you like that. That must not really be a huge issue for you not wanting to. You know, I, people. Have, I have a, a wonderful Broadway dresser. His name is Patrick, and he's he's worked with me on like six Broadway shows. He's been my dresser and 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 sort of general factotum. And he uh, he once told me he once mentioned that somebody was scared of me, and I said, "Patrick, scared of me? Who's scared of me?" He said, "Everybody is scared of you. <laughs> I'm scared of you." And this didn't make any sense to me at all. Uh, to me, I'm such a pushover, but uh, I guess I am, in some sense, formidable. I have no idea why, but uh, I don't know. It, 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 some people do tremble and weep when they meet me, and I don't understand that either. And I apologized for that earlier before we started recording, but it just was more <laughs> that, you know, you know what I think it is? And I feel obviously in a much different scale, maybe we share that. It's the height. I think that when you are of a certain height, and I say this as a tall woman, but I, I know for a fact for a tall man, you just have an authority over people that I find maybe people who are insecure or maybe not used to it don't really know how to respond to. So they just assume that you're very strong willed, even though you could be, you know, a sweetie like they just well, don't know. That's interesting. Uh I, I have a, a funny habit that I'm not even aware of. When I when I talk to people, for example, at a reception or a cocktail party, I will, in standing up, I will splay my legs about four feet apart <laughs> so that I'm about a foot shorter. I don't know whether you do that. No, I wish I was that flexible. I would probably be married. No, but no. But I, but I, but I, I, I as, a, as a result, I take up a lot of floor space because my two feet are so far apart. But it's like I, I have to lower myself down to the level of a five foot four wow. person. Because it's just too awkward. I, I, for one thing, I, I, I sort of stoop. My back aches if I, if I, if I talk, if I bend over too, too often. That's interesting. That sounds like a, a, like a drag race moment, like John Lithgow's death drop. You know, just you stand up and just. (laughs) (laughs) That is a skill I don't think any of our listeners really knew you had. So I feel like that's a wonderful moment for us to share. Thank you for telling us that. Well, the other curious thing is that many, most people who meet me for the first time say, I had no idea you were so tall. And I don't, I don't understand why that should be. They didn't notice that Jane Curtin only came up to my elbow. I mean, you Third hulked, Rock. Third Rock from the Sun, you hulked, except for um, Kristen, who I've always lo- looked up to because yeah. we're the same height. But, it, yeah. you know, that it was, I mean, it's just obvious in everything you've ever done. Terms of Endearment, okay. one of my favorite films ever. Yeah, Just yeah. The best. I know. It, well, I am a big fella. 
It was great to work on Bombshell with Charlize and Nicole and Alice and Janney, all of these wonderfully tall women like you. Yes. Uh, they all love acting with a tall man. And I they assume they only yep. like to act with a tall man. That's just them. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, just, let me tell you, as a tall woman, everything is better with a tall man because you feel, you know, I don't know if you know this. I'm in Amsterdam right now, actually doing the show from. Oh. Yes, I'm in Amsterdam. No, how wonderful. Oh, how I so I'm so jealous of you. It's a wonderful city. It's one of my favorite places on the planet. And I actually have been telling people the reason is I get off the airplane here and I'm just human. I'm just a woman. I walk around and everyone is so big that that part of me is not special anymore. No one looks at me differently or looks at my shoes to see am I wearing heels, those things. And I, I know our experiences are different tall woman to tall man, but it's very relaxing being in a place with tall people. Funny, I don't associate Amsterdam with tall oh. people. Oh, John. Dutch people are like all their volleyball teams are like unbeatable. Oh, I have to tell you, I the only bad thing about this uh, city is that everyone is so gorgeous that I also feel like Gollum when I leave the hotel. I'm like, wait, I'm like walking around like these are the best looking people. They're gigantic, fit. They ride bikes everywhere and they're gorgeous and nice. Yeah. Yeah. And they and they have great museums. That's a fact. This is one of would you say the more to most superficial interviews you've ever done in your career? What? <laughs> this one? Talking about right height? Now, I'm yes. having, a, okay, I'm having a wonderful time. Oh, good. Okay. Good. Are you kidding me? <laughs> good. Have, I you, just... have you been to the Rijksmuseum yet? The most beautiful place in the world. Oh, my God. Yeah, absolutely. You see, nothing vapid about this interview. That's, you know, you're, you're so good to me. You see, you're so nice. I was looking for a place to have dinner the other night, and I saw a big crowd in front of this, like, one building, and I thought, oh, my gosh, that must be, like, the hottest restaurant in Amsterdam. And then I got closer, and it was um, Anne Frank's house, just so you know. So that's where I'm at mentally. But I'm fine. The jet lag is, I'm Jewish. I can say it. It's okay. Uh, <laughs> I can get away with it. And, and the food is great. <laughs> yes, five out of five. <laughs> Went right on open table. I got a 7 p.m. res. And I have to say, very yeah, brilliant chefs. <laughs> oh, God. That we is hilarious. Go on, we better not. I better not. <laughs> Listen, my family died so I could make those jokes, you know. Okay, The Old Man. <laughs> I have to say, I watched it. It has a wonderful feeling when you watch it because it feels familiar. Like the idea, and you can tell our listeners what the show is, but the idea of someone being on the run from the CIA, the FBI, and being chased, we've seen that before. But I mean, why don't you tell everybody what the twist is here? Because it really, I really loved it. Yes. Well, I'll give you a little uh, thumbnail portrait of the show. Uh, what's fascinating in it, about, yes, it is a kind of fugitive setup, but it's two old men. Uh, you see them when they were young, played by two younger and very good actors, actually better than Jeff and me by far. You see them fleetingly. That was a moment 30 years ago in Afghanistan during the Soviet war, not the American involvement. And these two guys were working for the CIA and they did something that was uh, simply not done. They'd done it for the right reasons, but it was the wrong thing to do. And it had blown up and disgraced both of them. And for the rest of their lives, they had to literally pretend the other one didn't exist, stay as far away and completely unknowable to each other. But in the present day, that event has come back to haunt them and to force them 
back together. Uh, that's the premise of the series. And uh, I am now not a CIA man, but an FBI man. So in a sense, he's we're and I'm still working. He's more or less incognito. And it becomes this very complex chess game between the two of them. They were very good friends, but that friend friendship was badly ruptured all those years ago. That gets you started with it. Mm. The fascinating thing about my character, Harold Harper, is the very, I'm not spoiling anything at all, the very first time you see him, you see a man who suffered the worst tragedy of his life. He is an old man, but he has just lost his son and daughter-in-law in a car accident, and he and his wife must now take care of a five-year-old boy as their grandson, as if he's their boy. So the man is in just racked with grief. He's, he's really out of control with grief. And in the middle of all that, he gets a phone call about this thing that's happened that he has to tend to. He has to solve a problem that's 30 years old and that he hoped was buried forever. So that's my particular uh, crisis in the story. And of course, uh, Jeff, in the role of Dan Chase, has a totally different crisis. His is that he cannot allow his identity to be revealed. So off we go. That's the beginning of a seven episode season, and it's completely gripping. It's a brilliant concept. And I also feel like, do we feel like old people are having a moment right now when you look at like Helen Mirren and Judy Dench and all of these actors who, I'm, you know, I'm not saying old in a derogatory way, but just they are in the prime of their lives, let's call it. And I feel that there are so many projects now that are celebrating that in a wonderful way. Uh, Have you felt that as an actor where there's more work coming through? I mean, that sounds like such a nagging question, but it isn't at all. I mean, it's more. Well, my personal experience with this is uh, as an actor, this has been one of the most uh, exciting periods of my career. I've just gone from one amazing role to to another. Winston Churchill, Roger Ailes, Harold and 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 all of these characters, some of them are, are even older than I am. I have to pretend to be even older. Uh, by the time I wrapped up Winston Churchill, he was 80 years old. These are fascinating roles because they're fascinating problems in life. Uh, facing your own uh, failing capacities, your, your own viability. Uh, looking back on your legacy and realizing that it is tarnished. And how can I redeem myself with so little time left? Uh, And basically fear of mortality. Mm. Uh, All of these things are fascinating things for an actor to play. And and I've had the good luck to work with uh, Peter Morgan, uh, who created The Crown, Jay Roach, who did a beautiful job with Bombshell. Uh, And now Jonathan Steinberg, who's created this series, The Old Man. And I get to act with Jeff Bridges. Yeah. Uh, Jeff is I've uh, Jeff and I had met in passing once on a red carpet and and exchanged about nine words together, uh, basically telling telling each other what contempt we had mm. for each other. Were you squatting? Uh, like how far were the legs when you met him? I'm just no, curious. He's a tall he's a tall guy. Too. <laughs> okay. He's not quite as tall as I am, and he's not quite as old as I am. Mm. But we are uh, we are a wonderful combination of two very different actors uh, who, but 
what we have in common is we both love acting. <laughs> we we just love the challenge and uh, and we love fascinating problems to solve as an actor. And he's just a delightful man. I mean, he's he's a a beautiful man. I, one of the great frustrations about this series is the premise that I just described to you keeps us apart for five <laughs> of the seven episodes in this first season. It's wild. And and because the whole thing got shut down, first because of COVID and then because of, of Jeff's cancer, uh, you know, where there were 20 months when we, we weren't working together and we hadn't even worked together yet. Mm. So we finally got together this spring and this past spring and just had a great time. It was everything I'd hoped. Oh, that's so wonderful. You really are of a different era. I don't know how to explain it. The two of you, I, you know, I don't, I, there are amazing young actors, obviously, but I feel like there is a safety that I feel when I watched the pilot of the show, I felt like, oh, this was my spa retreat. I thought, oh, this is just going to be great. I go, these actors, there's not a moment you know, the second I saw you in it, even I thought, there's my man, there's John Lithgow. He just, you never miss you. And by the way, in Bombshell, which I loved Bombshell, I thought it was, I saw it in the theaters. You were so grotesque in it as Roger Ailes. I mean, they really had their way with you physically, uh, rightfully so. Uh, what did it feel like to look in the mirror and uh, were you sick physically or how <laughs> to have to look at yourself in that way? Because they really changed you physically. I, I Unrecognizable, actually. Yeah. Well, it, it's kind of I, I loved watching myself in that. Yeah. It, it, weirdly enough, uh, I, somehow or other, the, the I am a character actor and the more it's unlike me, the more I like watching it. Mm. Uh, I, the the very simple performances I've given. Actually, I like those too. <laughs> but there is a certain unease to watching yourself when it is purely yourself. Mm. I mean, everybody has that feeling. I'm sure everybody identifies what with yes. what I just said. It's the worst. You don't mind seeing yourself in a mirror, but you can't stand seeing yourself in a video. Uh, and we actors have simply gotten used to it. Well, I guess that's me. I have to accept it. It's what I do for a living and I'm being paid a lot of money. I know. That's my next question. How do I make more money? Because, John, it <laughs> <Yeah>. is <laughs> here. I'm slaving away in Amsterdam, you know, just helping people promote their projects. And I feel like it's my time uh, to earn a little bit more. I My tip, by the way, for watching myself on video is I have to start really small. So if I see a clip, I have to watch it on my laptop like an inch so that my head is like nine <laughs> pixels and then as well, i get used to i can slowly drag the screen a little bit bigger and then i can grow comfortable with it she'll take it from me you're gorgeous oh, uh, john stop. the other the other <laughs> the other thing i the other thing i love is third rock from the sun well wow. I, I i just love watching that show uh and i think i'm hilarious in it <laughs> you are yes what's so liberating about that is it is so extravagant mm. it is just like everything I've got, I just hurl myself into it in order to be as ridiculous as possible. And I just, I, I watch that and I just relish it. A once in a lifetime part to play a, a very over the top 
alien in your body uh, with some of the funniest writing. And I'm going to actually say something now that I feel like Third Rock today needs the attention that like the friends attention and okay, Seinfeld, which I love, obviously. But where are my Third Rock reruns? They're showing Raymond and King of Queens. That show, much like a Just Shoot Me, I would kind of put them in the same category for me, which I remember they were just almost uh, ahead of their time with how clever the every episode being like a little play, you know, not just like some throwaway kind of nighttime comedy series. So I would love not only to see the reruns, but also see you in a project like that again. And that was one of my questions actually is where is today's John in the comedy world? Because you are, your timing, it's like that Shakespearean timing where you kind of, um, it's, it's from a different era almost. I don't know how to explain it, but are you going to do a comedy? I need it. How do we make it happen? Uh. Well, you know, it, 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 it certainly is high time. I, I've been doing pretty grave roles, yes. uh, as, as good as those projects have been. For one thing, it is a young man's game. Uh, I, I just couldn't do what I did on Third Rock anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, just physically, the, the high energy of that and the speed, your, the mental agility it took to learn all those huge rapid fire hilarious speeches yeah. you know he uh dick solomon simply loved to babble inanely <laughs> uh, and yet it was it was not improvised these were expertly written speeches you had to get them right i could do that 20 years ago and i can't anymore i guess it's all dwindled down to me being rudy giuliani on the colbert show which i'm uh, so sorry you deserve better i don't know i feel like okay you're good at that but it you know we need more i need more uh, just saying, all right. You know, just to talk, talk to the right people. I'm available. I'll put all my energies out there. You'll never hear from anyone. If, it, if you leave it up to me, okay. uh, trust me, you don't want that to happen for you. But um, the old man, seven, seven episodes. We love to see it. Jeff Bridges, the beard. I'm getting lame is energy from it. And I'm wondering when you were when you were speaking earlier, there's sort of a Javert Jean Valjean thing happening yeah. here. Uh are you a Les Mis fan? That's another part I could see you just killing. Do you sing? I, you must have a wonderful voice. Well, you know, uh, amazingly enough, I've won a Tony Award. Oh, tell me everything. I don't go and brag about that because I'm basically embarrassed by it. I, I'm not a great singer, uh, but neither was Robert Preston nor Rex Harrison. So I felt emboldened. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. This was Sweet Smell of Success back in 2002, which actually failed on Broadway. It was quite a remarkable show, but very, very dark. Mm. And if you remember 2001 and 2002, people didn't want a dark musical. They wanted to forget about 9-11. That was one of the reasons it failed. But I I guess I had very little competition that year, and I won a Tony Award for it. So, yes, I can sing. And by the way, you're halfway to EGOTing. The Tonys, which were just, uh, I mean, this past Sunday. Did you watch the Tonys? Do you enjoy watching things like that or no? You know, I I didn't see it this year. Yeah. Uh, Curiously, I just sort of forgot about it. There I was out in Los Angeles mm. where you don't obsess about the Tonys. Well, they don't know from you that. Obsess. Yeah, you obsess mm. maybe the Oscars, the Emmy. So you have an uh, uh, an Emmy and you have a Tony. You also have a Golden Globe, which I'm going to count for the letter G. I know it's supposed to be Grammy, but let's call it. You're just one <laughs> O away from basically, you know, egotting in my book. Uh, is that important to you? Do awards matter or is it just all sort of icing on the cake 
Well, it's it is icing on the cake, but I'm I'm delighted. I uh, I spout my my award credits every chance I get. Um, Clearly, <laughs> even yes. e- 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 even even the the uh, Golden Globes, even though they're sort of uh, uh, unmentionable now. I know. Which, by the way. If I had a Golden Globe, I would bring it up on the daily. I mean, we laugh about it, but it's still a hard award to win. Yeah. There is still some cachet with the Golden Globes. Yeah. They're all they're all pretty hard to win. You have to have the very good luck of having a great role and great people to mm. guide you through it. Uh, and I've that's been that's been my very good fortune. And a good publicist. So. People who put your name out there too. That's an important thing. Those publicists, they're bloodthirsty, John. They <laughs> they're working behind the scenes. I try no. to do it. Uh, I'm not a good person. I can't like network well. I don't know how you are in that department, but I don't like to boast about myself or say things. And it actually, I think, has affected my career for the negative because I don't really, you know, I feel like in L.A. Yeah. especially a lot of the business is if you just tell someone you're good at something, they go, well, they must be good. Let's give them the part. Well, they must be great. I do have to just completely wonderful publicists, uh, Kara and Jennifer in in New York and L.A. respectively. So I'm delighted to give them a shout out. For one thing, they're they're wonderful company when I do junkets like this. Well, you have to have someone to talk shit with. Are you a big shit talker, John? I wonder because you're so professional. Are you good at it? I could see you being very funny. My motto is your best friends bring out the worst in you. I'm so into that. I love (laughs) it. Let's get more into that side of you because I know we're being very professional here. But what drives you crazy? I'm curious in let's say you're sitting at a cafe, you're outside. I doubt you smoke. But for the purposes of this conversation, you have a cigarette, you have a glass of wine. What would be the thing that ruins that moment? for you do you think surrounding you maybe the service something well michelle i I, what a question i pet peeves in a restaurant because you're very formal and i could see there being things that like americans especially do that could maybe like set you off a little bit well just bad service uh is an annoyance uh but i and i you know i can be mouthy and and rude to a a rude uh server in in Let's see, I had a recent situation where I was absolutely furious and I really snapped at somebody and then came back and told this person exactly why I was in a bad mood and had a bad day. And I completely understood why there was a misunderstanding. Wow. Uh, you know, that's so I, I'm, I'm not a very good antagonist. I play a good <laughs> villain, but I'm not a, I, I, I'm not a complainer. I can imagine for the server, um, just seeing you that second time walking back into the restaurant. <laughs> Like the fear you must have put into that person because they're like, oh, shit, he's back. Like, what does he want from me now? What does he need? Yeah, think about it. Um, I would think that people speaking loudly around you would be a big turnoff. I could see that. Like loud diners, maybe. Yeah. yeah, That's a big thing for me. I can't do it. Yeah. I, I I have said as nicely as possible. I'm sorry, friends. You, I can hear you better than I can hear my wife. Wow. And I'm... 10 feet away from you. I, I, but that's the best I can do. I, I will tell you uh, my John Lithgow tantrum. This is what you're after. I can Basically, tell. Basically, yes. Thank you. <laughs> Years ago, when I, when I was a, a struggling actor in New York, I was riding the subway 
down to Times Square from the Upper West Side. And, and this was back in the 70s when half of New York were completely crazy street people screaming and cursing and spitting and angry and these paranoid schizophrenics. And one of them was on the subway with me. And I had this man bag, this leather man bag that I'd made myself that had a big wooden, it had a big wooden button. And this, this, this fat, red-faced, florid, hysterical man was just (laughs) and everybody was sort of staring in terror at him or actually looking away, not making any eye contact. And the the train I was heading to Times Square, but the train stopped at 50th Street and the door opened and the man was going to leave the subway, but his belt loop got <gasps> on the wooden button I of knew, my man bag. I knew that and, button was coming back. I knew it was coming back when you said it. I said, I'm not forgetting about it. Go on. <laughs> yeah. The, the wooden button callback. Uh, any, any young men knew yeah. all about that. But he was struggling to get off the, sir, sir, your purse. And the doors closed and he could not get off I am the gonna, subway. I'm going to faint. So, so he turned on me. I got fucking with a purse. On and on and on on the way to Times Square. Wow. And I finally pulled myself up to my full height and I said, Why can't you be more pleasant? <laughs> and you know, he was absolutely struck dumb. <laughs> you know, but everybody else on the subway looked at me like I was completely out of my mind, <laughs> that I was as crazy as he was. Well, now that's a Lithgow temper a tantrum. Classic <laughs> tantrum. But why can't you be more pleasant? The John yeah, Lithgow right. story, by the way, that should just be the name of your next book. Sure, I mean, it's right. phenomenal. It's a great. Or um, Leather Man Bag with Wooden Button, an image, John, <laughs> that I will not soon forget. It is now tattooed in my memory. Also, the idea of you making your own bag. I would like to circle back to that. What happened there? You were, I didn't know you were a craftsman in this way. Well, I was. I I used to do do leather crafts. I have all sorts of sort of occupation, sort of semi-occupational therapies, I guess, just for fear of someone not hiring me as an actor. Interesting, yeah. I mean, it's, it's why I've ended up like writing poetry books and recordings for children and kids concerts with big orchestras and and i danced with the new york city ballet oh my god any any chance i can throw that in i you you know i just i i guess it's just my restless spirit and Mm -hmm. as i say the fear of not being hired that's a big actor thing that every actor friend of mine i will say something i i'm not saying this about you but just i have friends who are professional you know performers they're so stingy sometimes and i'm thinking hold on a minute how are you so stingy when I know you're working left and right? And it's because where is that next check coming from? I get it. It's like that fear of going MC Hammer broke, you know? I mean, most people you talk to, most employed people, they have had the same job for many, many years. My wife was in the same history faculty for 40 years wow. with tenure. She only had one job. I have five or six jobs a year. Uh, and you never know when it's going to dry up. People, when people ask me, uh, d- do you think about retiring? I say, I retire five times a year. Yeah. <laughs> you, you really, you do not know what's going to happen next. I don't know what my next job is. True. 
So, so I've cooked up a little something completely on my own just to make sure I don't go crazy. You know, it's funny because I always, my idol, Joan Rivers, right, uh, who may she rest in peace. But Joan, for me, was like one of those stories where here's the funniest woman on the planet, also happens to be the most generous, lovely, I don't know if you've ever met her, but just wonderful. And she had a period of time, you know, late in her career where she just was not getting booked or work. And I think about her, I'm going, here's the one of the most brilliant brains we have. And yet even she had a slump. So for me, that's my sort of panic yeah. button moment where I'm like, okay, you know, listen, I got to start working on my face, I guess. I don't know. I need to figure something mm-hmm. out, John. This interview is not about me. It is about you. And I must say, you continue to raise the bar for class, both here on this podcast, in my life, oh. and just in Hollywood in general. I'm I'm saying to everyone listening, uh, watch The Old Man on FX. It's streaming on Hulu starting uh, June 16th. Just seeing your face, I thought, this is, I know I'm good. And there's a moment also where in the show, you don't want to cry. You don't want to show your grandson that you're crying. I identified with that as well. And I, my last question before we let you go, you big crier or do you save it for the screen? Is that, do you oh, save the emotion? Terrible weeper. Really? I, I weep at life insurance commercials. Oh, brother. All right. <laughs> Even the ones that, that feature geckos. Say, yeah, the flying pig one breaks him. Uh, well, John, I, I really have to say it is genuinely such a treat to have you here. And I was so excited that I saw you agree to do this. I was like, well, he's one of my favorite people ever. Uh, you can also follow John on Instagram at J.A. Lithgow. And um, John, come back anytime. We Anything you need to promote, I'm always here. Thank you, Michelle. What a delight. Uh, it's good to see you again. Good to see you too, John. I'm in person. I hope so. In Amsterdam. We'll be human here. It'll be a wonderful thing. John, thank you so much. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. Midnight Snack is an Earwolf production, executive produced by me, Michelle Collins. Our producer is Anita Flores, and our sound engineer is Sam Kiefer. Special thanks to my friend, Dan Acton. You can listen to our ad-free episodes on Stitcher Premium. For a free one-month trial, use the code SNACK. Please rate and review Midnight Snack and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. You can follow us on Twitter at MNightSnackPod. That's M-N-I-G-H-T-S-N-A-C-K-P-O-D. I love spelling. Midnight Snackers, we would love to hear from you. Send us your feedback, questions, or topics we should chat about. You can leave us a voicemail on our party line at 331-901-0005 or drop us a line at midnightsnack at earwolf.com. For more of me, tune into The Michelle Collins Show live weekday mornings from 7 a.m. Eastern Time on Radio Andy, Sirius XM 102, and on the Sirius XM app. You can also follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at Mishkoll, M-I-C-H-C-O-L-L. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 
Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. And that's the episode. We hope you loved it. Again, if you want to hear the show every single day, go to www.patreon.com slash mishcall, M-I-C-H-C-O-L-L. You can also follow me on Instagram, X, TikTok, all the things. Mishkal, M-I-C-H-C-O-L-L. I'm running myself into the ground for content and I want you to be a part of it. So we'll see you over there. And thanks again for joining us. Bye, guys.